Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Paige Murphy, head of the Wimbledon Foundation. And as we go live with this episode, we are just at the tail end of the Wimbledon Tennis Championships. So the timing could not be better. Uh, Many of the listeners will know I used to be the chief executive officer of the Novak Djokovic Foundation. So today's conversation is particularly special for me because I simply love Wimbledon. We're going to be looking at the work of the Wimbledon Foundation, the community outreach work that they do locally and nationally, some of the partnerships that they have with the likes of WaterAid and the British Red Cross, and a great deal more. So you're in for a great chat. And without further ado, Paige, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you very much for having me, Alberti. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. We're both here in the UK, no time difference whatsoever. And actually, you're at the All England Lawn Tennis Club right now. You're the uh, the head of the uh, of the Wimbledon Foundation and the championships are happening as we're speaking. Yes. Well, you're not the first guest I've ever had from your neck of the woods. Uh, our, our friend Martin Guntrip, who's the uh, club director of the uh, All England Lawn Tennis Club, he's one of our earlier guests back in 2019. So that's actually a little bit over four years ago that he was on the show speaking a little bit about the the work of the foundation and the charitable endeavors uh, of the club. Uh, So it'd be great to start by maybe getting a little bit of a refresher and and finding out what the Wimbledon Foundation is all about. Yeah, so I think quite a lot has probably changed um, since Martin was uh, on your podcast in 2019. Obviously, um, as everyone uh, went through the lockdown and, and the sort of COVID pandemic. So the foundation really kind of um, reacted almost immediately to that um, and ended up distributing three million pounds um, as part of the COVID response. And one of the other really exciting things that happened here at the club was that we repurposed our kitchens to cook and distribute food um, to the local community through the pandemic. So that was quite a big, um, quite a big task, um, but that was really exciting. And then coming out the other side of that, we've really focused on our upcoming 10-year anniversary and and what our plans are going to be for that. Um, As a little refresher, we are the official charity of the All England Club and the Championships. Um, So our sort of mission as the Wimbledon Foundation is to champion opportunity for all. And our purpose is really to leverage the resources of the club and the championships to make a positive difference in people's lives. So we try to think every year about the different ways that we can do that. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Now, many, many listeners will know I used to be the chief executive officer of the Novak Djokovic Foundation, uh, a foundation that does amazing work and actually not really about tennis, you know, a lot about early childhood education, early childhood development in the case of the Novak Djokovic Foundation. In your case, also, it's not that it's all about tennis. There's a great deal going on that has nothing to do with tennis. Yes, we don't have a tennis focus, which I think is probably what most people assume when they hear the words Wimbledon Foundation. Um, But we were set up by our current AELTC chairman, Ian Hewitt, um, and the board of trustees really decided early on that we wanted to uh, make a big investment into our local communities, um, which is in the London boroughs of Merton and Wandsworth. 
And we now have kind of four goals that have evolved um, over the last decade, but they are to strengthen our local community, to promote active and healthy lives, to inspire the next generation of young people and to respond in times of need. So we work with around 100 charities each year um, across a, a huge variety of issues and, and different um, amazing work that they do just to try and support people with whatever needs and, and issues they're trying to tackle. And I know from the, uh, the community outreach as well that you do, you welcome a lot of schools into your grounds, uh, showing them a little bit about the history of what it's all about, not just tennis, but croquet as well. Yes, we have an amazing um, heritage and learning department that the foundation works very closely with. So, yes, they have some great kind of um, learning experiences, tours to help children and young people learn, as you said, about tennis, um, the history of Wimbledon, but also for older young people, they focus around the business of Wimbledon. So they'll run um, talks and workshops that kind of go behind the scenes and, and help expose young people to all of the different opportunities that exist within sport um, as an industry. Mm. Now, you've been with the foundation for what, about a year and a half? Yes, not too long. Um, yes, so I joined in uh, February of 2022, um, but I've been in the charity sector for over a decade now. So it was really exciting to join such a well-supported foundation and also one that has a real local focus, you know, working with really small grassroots charities. But we also have an amazing national sport for development program and um, some international charity partners as well so we really get to see that whole spectrum of of charitable work and what's what's been keeping you busy because it's always interesting you you know you show up new head of foundation uh first thing probably that that lands on your plate is taking a look at at that strategy with a fresh pair of eyes uh, what's that journey been like for you over the last 18 months yeah definitely well as my current chairman keeps reminding me it's evolution not revolution um but it's been really exciting to join the foundation you know coming up to our 10-year anniversary and really working with the team to think about what the next decade is going to look like for us and also thinking about what we want to be known for as a foundation i always say we're quite a well-kept secret i don't think many people know that the wimbledon foundation exists so we'd really like to focus on refining our message being known um, as a good neighbor and as a key investor in our local community, as well as, you know, at a national and international level, focusing on key issues such as working with young people through sport um, and investing in creating healthy communities around the world. Mm -hmm. I guess I should preempt and wish you a happy 10th anniversary, which is happening at the end of this year, right? Yes, we're stretching it out for a while. <laughs> so um, I think we're hoping that we'll um, have a, a focus on our 10-year anniversary at next year's um, championships. Um, and we're also um, in partnership with Barclays now making a significant investment into our national program, which will be scaling across the UK. So we're really excited to kind of frame that, you know, thinking ahead to our next 10 years and, and what we want to see happen. Yeah, that's exciting, actually. I did hear about that Barclays coming on board as official banking partners of, of, of Wimbledon, the championships, uh, which obviously is going to increase some of the resources that you have at your disposal to, to improve the society around. Uh, how's that been uh, uh, impacting things? 
Yeah, it's been fantastic. You know, Barclays um, has been very supportive of the foundation. So we're partnering with them on our national program, which is called Set for Success. It's delivered by the Youth Sport Trust, who are an amazing national um, sports charity. And they recruit and train inspirational world-class athletes to go into secondary schools and work with at-risk young people to help them kind of connect all of the skills that they learn from sport. So whether that's tennis, of course, or um, we have a, an ex-Olympic swimmer, we have a judo champion, we have a professional inline skater, and they'll work with the young people to help them connect all of those skills that they're learning and how they can apply that to their future education or employment when they're ready. Really interesting. It's interesting also you're highlighting all of these sports personalities that, you know, well beyond the world of tennis. Yes. Yes, we do like to, um, yeah, diversify beyond tennis. We do work with a few local tennis charities, but for our national program for Set for Success, it's really important that the athlete mentors come from the areas in which the schools are so they can really connect with the young people and share their stories and their journeys. And as you know, anyone that's achieved a level of success, it hasn't come easy. So that's a, a really kind of powerful way that the athlete mentors can connect with the young people. Yeah. Yeah, it's never easy. Well, maybe unless you're genetically incredibly gifted. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> generally speaking, it, it, it all seems quite effortless. And you're only looking at think, the tip of that iceberg, right? There's so yeah, much effort. Yeah, exactly. And we've been so incredibly lucky, you know, with Barclays, we've been able to invite some of the young people people from across the UK down to the championships this year and again that opportunity for the young people to see these incredible athletes you know the level of dedication of commitment of resilience that the tennis players have during the championships is a really important thing for young people to see. Mm. What are the sort of things that are really keeping you excited right now regarding the foundation's work uh, when you're looking at 2023 2024 uh, what's keeping you up at night with excitement? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean, immediately after the championships, um, the All England Club donates about 10,000 plants to the Wimbledon Foundation. So we transform into a mini garden centre for a few weeks and we donate the majority of those plants out to the local community, to local green spaces. Um, so that's a, a really big job, but also a really exciting one because we can just sort of see the benefits of helping to create a really positive, beautiful environment for local residents. And then other things I think for us as we look forward to the next year, um, we're going to be starting to scale set for success significantly from September. And we've also just renewed our partnership with WaterAid and the British Red Cross, who are our two international charity partners. So really focusing on how we can work with them to amplify the message, to um, amplify the amazing work that they're doing globally. You know, with WaterAid, it's all about creating sustainable solutions to water hygiene and sanitation. For the British Red Cross, there are emergency response partner so wherever disaster is striking they can be there on the ground immediately to help so we really want to explore different ways that we can work with them over the coming few years yeah i actually had mike adamson uh, on the show the other day the, the chief exec from the british red cross uh, who was shedding light on the great work that they're doing how do those partnerships come about uh both of the big the big profile ones water aid uh and british red cross but then also the many, the numerous other ones that you have, the smaller ones. How do you, 
how, how do these partnerships come about? People reaching out to you? Or? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. When the foundation initially started the partnership with WaterAid, our board had decided that it was important for us to have an international presence. And obviously, we use a lot of water um, on site at Wimbledon. So there was a real affinity um, with WaterAid in terms of how we could give back. And in, as, as I said earlier, really invest in, in healthy communities globally. And our partnership with the British Red Cross is much more recent. We formalised that as through the COVID um, pandemic, really, in the response um, to that. You know, obviously, there were communities around the world that were affected in so many different ways. And, and the British Red Cross were really there providing that immediate response. And we've continued to, to partner with the Red Cross through their disaster fund. Um, so we make an investment every year into that. And then more recently, for example, they've responded to the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, the flooding in Pakistan last year, and of, of course, the Ukraine war. So they've been a really key partner in, a, in us helping to um, respond and provide some relief. Mm. Does it, is it very labor intensive, uh, keeping all of these relationships going? How many did you, you touched on a little bit earlier? How many do you have? Yeah, so we work with around 100 charities a year. So the majority of those are within our local community of Merton and Wandsworth. Um, and to your earlier question, that's a, uh, more of a, uh, we'll make a call out to say that we want to, you know, offer some funding to support people in the local community to get healthy and active, for example. Um, and then charities will apply for funding um, to deliver their their projects. Um, so yes, we're a small but mighty team, I like to say. There's currently five of us in the foundation team and we work across um, distributing our funding. We do have a, a large gift and kind program. So last year we gave away over 13,000 items, which ranged from tennis balls, of course, um, plants, items of clothing, towels. So we work quite closely with a number of local homelessness charities um, to provide support to their clients. And the work with um, the other big tournaments, I don't know, is there much by way of collaborating with other foundations? Uh, I'm thinking obviously the, the, the Australian Open perhaps or... Yeah, not as yet, although I'm happy to volunteer to go visit them all, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's something that we'd like to explore. Um, we've we've been um, meeting more regularly, for example, with the LTA Tennis Foundation, which is in, investing, obviously, in tennis across the UK. But it's something that, you know, I think we're really open to and would be keen to understand, you know, how each Grand Slam is reinvesting back into their communities. You're probably in a, in a key position, though, in terms of... Um when you're looking at auction items and things like that for a, for for one of these fundraisers, probably not incredibly difficult for you to get a, a signed uh, tennis racket or any of those things, right, from some amazing individuals. Yes, we do get a few very, um, you know, the tennis, uh, the players are always very gracious in signing some tennis balls and posters for us. And then we basically use that throughout the year, predominantly for our local charities to help them with their fundraising activities and generate more income to deliver their work. So, yes, it, it does become quite a big part of our job um, during the tournament. So you have, you have a bit of capacity building then when you're saying you're helping out some of those local charities. Yeah, you know, I think as part of um, our 
goal to strengthen our local community, you know, we do want to look at that kind of sustainable investment into local charities. You know, they're doing incredible work, often without the same profile, you know, as bigger charities that we work with. So we really, uh, you know, kind of see ourselves as trying to champion them and to work beyond just being a funder. You know, we really want to understand what their challenges are and look creatively at how we can help those charities to become more sustainable and ultimately just keep doing the work, which is what we want to see. Yeah. And it's interesting, you, you touched on it more than once, you mentioned about you know activities throughout the year. Mm. And, that, and that's the key thing, right? I mean, it, it's not just these two weeks that everybody yes. sort of glued to the TV and, and is aware of what's going on. But the club itself operates as a normal tennis club throughout the year and stuff goes on throughout the year. Yes, I, you know, having been a more recent um, uh, joiner to the team, I was amazed at how busy, you know, the club is year round. And and likewise for the foundation, you know, we uh, spend the other 50 weeks of the year, um, you know, distributing our resources, working with charities. We've also tried to focus a lot more um, over the last year of kind of creating more opportunities um with the club and with the championships. Um, so this year, particularly during the championships, we were really excited that we were able to invite 600 of our charity guests in across the fortnight just to experience the day and also a real meaningful way for us to sort of say thank you to them for all of the work that they've been doing. Hmm. So do you have to pinch yourself uh, <laughs> being, being aware that this is the job that you're doing, you're heading up this foundation? It's such a privilege. It really is. I'm very humbled to be here. And I think, you know, having been in the charity sector for over a decade, you know, being able to be in a position where we can focus on how we best use our resources rather than, you know, continually fundraising and continually worrying about, you know, how we're going to pay the rent or keep the lights on or, you know, pay staff. I, I think, my whole team is just very aware of that and really focused on how we can build really strong relationships with our charity partners so that they can, you know, have that kind of security from us as well. So, yes. And, you know, plus it's an incredibly beautiful place to be working. Um, and I think also um, one of the really exciting things is having that kind of brand association as well for our charity partners, you know, particularly our smaller charities in Merton and Wandsworth, you know, having that support from the Wimbledon Foundation can often, you know, carry weight, you know, when they're looking for other supporters and funders as well. So it's it's really exciting personally for me to to see that that adds value again to um, to the charities that we work with. I mean, it's an abso absolutely, it's a vote of confidence for these smaller charities, unknown charities to say they have funding from you. It, it lends credibility to, to their work. Yeah, exactly. So what's it like coming into the office these days? Because you have this madness of the championships all around you. Can you even make it to the front door of your office without having to use some sharp elbows? Yeah, you have to add another sort of 20 minutes or so to your commute to <laughs> make it through the crowds. But the atmosphere is just so contagious. It's so exciting, you know, to see everyone on site. You know, it's a very different vibe than, you know, year round when there's just the full time um, members of staff and, and our club members, of course. So it's really very exciting. And the Wimbledon Foundation has a kiosk 
um, on the grounds throughout the, the two weeks. So we have an opportunity to engage with guests, really just raise awareness that we exist and, and to help promote some of the work that our charity partners are doing. Now, on that, on that specific point, you mentioned the kiosk. Uh, people who are listening to this, how can they find out more about you? Where would you point them to, whether it's a website or any resource? Yeah, so we have a, a website which you can find on Wimbledon.com. Um, and then we're also very active on Twitter and Instagram. So our handle is Wimbledon FDN. Um, so you can see some of the work that we've been up to recently on there. One of our more popular posts this year is that we sponsored a refrigerated van with a food charity City Harvest. And we got to pick the name of the van so we were unanimous in naming it Vandy Murray <laughs> um, and before the championships we actually managed to get Andy and Vandy together for a photo so I would definitely look out for that one. Oh, we need to get our hands on that photo that's that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and those 10 years 10 years plus in terms of your your um, uh, experience within the, the not-for-profit space give us a little bit of a flavor into that uh, trajectory how, how did it where, where did you start and how did you progress? <laughs> yeah, I originally had always wanted to join the police. That from, you know, being very young, I, I think I probably watched too many crime shows on TV. Um, and I did volunteer for the police uh, in London for a, a short time, to enough time to figure out that it wasn't quite for me. Um, but I had such a, an interest and a, a passion for wanting to help people or just to be involved in the sector that is, you know, trying to tackle big societal issues. So I volunteered abroad um, in South Africa for a short period of time. And when I came back, I sort of made a, a, a big sort of life decision that I was going to pursue a career in the charity sector. So I've worked for uh, one very large charity in the UK and then very quickly actually went into kind of grassroots um, community funding and, and community charity work so there's a real nice kind of affinity moving to the foundation with so much of our focus being on the local community yeah absolutely what do you enjoy most because you know within the foundation space you have uh, you have the grant making the programs the fundraising the events the comms the advocacy <laughs> no shortage i imagine in your case you have to roll up your sleeves and you probably get involved in a little bit of everything um what do you enjoy most yeah, that's a very difficult question to answer succinctly because I think everything that you just listed, I, I really enjoy. I think for me, it's it's being around just incredibly inspiring people. Like to me, that is just such a privilege. And, you know, to get to work with charities, whether they've got an income of £50,000 or, you know, millions and, and multiple millions of pounds, you know, everyone is just passionately driven by trying to help people. And I think for me, that's the most exciting part of being involved in the sector as a whole is is being able to to see that inspiration and to be a part of it, you know, and to to problem solve. You know, I love to problem solve. So, you know, working with a charity partner and thinking through different ways that we can approach issues together and, you know, that kind of collaboration is really exciting too. On that specific point of collaboration and brainstorming and solving, um, on the one hand, foundations, 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 you know, you can tap onto a leader of some other foundation and engage. But you're also in a very specific position, I think, because it's not just a foundation. So you have the celebrity side, you have the tennis side, you have a few things that perhaps not every foundation leader 
I can appreciate. And, the, and you have to cherry pick where you can exchange views with peers. Give us a little bit of insight into that specific bit. Yeah, I think um, I think over the years, you know, I've built up a, a really good network of kind of peers, you know, working within the funding space as we do now with the foundation, but also, you know, um, colleagues that are, you know, really working on the front line and running small charities. And I think that that kind of um, that exposure to different experiences, different challenges is so critical. You know, I often talk to my team about lifting your head above what we do to look beyond what the Wimbledon Foundation is doing and understanding what's happening in the sector. And I think also having that kind of camaraderie with your your peers is, is really important as well. You know, we've done action learning sets over the years, which has been a really effective way to kind of problem solve and get that input and insight to people that have had different experiences or are, are approaching issues in different ways than you would, um, I think is so critical. And I think specifically on the Wimbledon Foundation, there's a lot more we can do in that space. You know, last year we were the biggest funder in Merton and Wandsworth in our two charities. And so we'd really like to explore how we can, I guess, leverage that position really to help our local charities have a voice in in what's happening at that kind of hyper-local level. The, the leadership of those smaller outfits that are based uh, in that very quite small geographic area, how um, how much of a cross-pollination of ideas is there? How much of a knowledge is there between the different folks who are running the different outfits, perhaps the program directors as well? Uh, give us a little bit of that uh, insight into that collegial setting that, that you, you're exposed to over there. Yeah, it's interesting. I think anyone that's worked in London, in particular in the charity sector, you know, each borough, each kind of part of London tends to have a quite different approach to things. Um, we're obviously focusing on two boroughs um, in London. So there's different kind of strength and size and scale of networks across both of them. I think one of the exciting things that the Wimbledon Foundation does is we try to create multiple opportunities each year where our charity partners can all come together. So to you know, meet each other, talk about what's going on. You know, we've even had charities that have ended up sharing resources, you know, doing some visits to each other to learn from each other and understand what's happening. So we have one really large sort of reception event every year where we invite all of our charity partners. And then we also do events throughout the year where we break it down by, okay, well, you know, these are our charity partners that are all involved in local sports programs. We'll bring them together. These are all of our charities that are involved in health and well-being. So we'll bring them together every year. So we try to be involved in in kind of convening and, and enabling some of that networking, which, you know, being in a small charity is always difficult to find time for. I love the fact that you're sort of strengthening the fabric of, of, of this space within within that geographic area. Yeah, it's definitely a key part of our local strategy as we move forward. You probably have some people kicking themselves who are just outside the boundaries, right, of, <laughs> of Merton or, you know, who, who probably wish, oh, if I was just 100 yards that way. Yes, uh, we, I mean, you know, we, we do get a very high volume of inquiries um, each year and it's obviously very difficult for us to you know, to kind of say no. But I think when the foundation was established, it was really important to have that kind of local focus. Our site sits both on Merton and Wandsworth. So it was really important for us to retain that kind of hyper-local focus and, you know, help be a force for good for the local community. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So tell me, before we wrap up, I want to ask you, what's that key takeaway you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this and what I have settled on, um, I think is probably related to, you know, being a, a, a charity connected to an incredible, you know, world sporting event, I think is just the value of sport and being involved in sport and physical activity. You know, I often say that most of the skills that I use now, I learned in sport and being involved in team sports, um, not to do a disservice to my school, but um, <laughs> so I think for me, that's that's probably the takeaway is, you know, we work with lots of different charities, as I said, each year, but our national program, which is all about sport for development, you know, it's, it's all of those um, all of those skills that you just pick up by being involved in in the sporting world, I think is just so valuable and, and just helps maintain your mental health, helps build your resilience, you know, obviously invests in your physical health as well. But I would say that's my one takeaway is I would encourage people to just retain a connection to sport because it is genuinely an exciting thing to be a part of. Absolutely. In so many different ways. So here's to the power of sport. Uh, and, <laughs> and Paige, thank you so very much for joining me and joining us on the Do One Better podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, here's to uh, a great success for, for the Wimbledon Foundation going forward. And I'm already looking forward to hosting you back on the show in, in, in a little while. Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Paige Murphy, head of the Wimbledon Foundation. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at lidji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you. And I look forward to catching up with you on Monday.